Welcome to You Wear It Well. Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Heiserman, physical therapist and founder and CEO of Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services. We're at the intersection of fashion and technology, otherwise known as wearables. We look at the people, products, and research that make up this exciting world of wearables. Are you a fashion designer, electrical engineer, or someone with the dream of designing a wearable? Apply for membership to my LinkedIn group page, Biotech Fashion, and join in the discussion. Are you a startup? Wearable company? Don't know where quite to go from here? Well, you have the questions, and Spectrum Ergonomics has the answers. Go to our company website at www.spectrumergonomics.com and click on the link wearables. There you'll find a wide variety of services and other contractors that we work with to help make your product become a reality. We're here to help you through the process of iteration to packaging and beyond. Well, I'd like to welcome you to another edition of You Wear It Well. And I would like to welcome our special guest, Ellen Fowles. Uh, and Ellen is going to uh, share her experience in adaptive integrative clothing, uh, which I find is a very interesting experience that she has in getting involved in this. So, uh, Ellen, the show is yours. Take it away. Thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Hi, everyone. Um, my name's Ellen Fowles, and I design uh, adaptive clothing for people of all abilities and ages to hopefully enjoy. Um, so I'm a currently non-disabled white woman with dark brown curly hair, just for, to give you a little bit of an image description. We're hopefully integrating that sort of thing into online things now. Um, and I'm based in London. So my my kind of background was I, I studied fashion design. I kind of went between menswear and womenswear at university. So I studied at Ravensbourne in London. And then I went on to study my uh, master's at the Royal College of Art, which is where my sort of adaptive practice really kind of took shape, really went into full flow at the RCA in London. Um, and adaptive clothing for people who don't know it is kind of al alongside with wearables. Um, and it's very specific for who, who the designer actually is um, so in my practice I try and collaborate uh, with as many people as possible really working with people from all sorts of disciplines um, from occupational therapists and engineers to designers um, and I also take a very intergenerational approach to design as well 
So my um, my graduate collection at the RCA, which was kind of <laughs> kind of paused. It was the COVID year that well, every year is the COVID year now, isn't it? But it was the first kind of COVID year. Um, I worked throughout the whole process with my grandmother, Marion Fowles, who I have an incredibly close. So I'm so thankful. She, I have an incredibly close relationship with her. Um, and she kind of really was a large inspiration behind my love of art and design. So um, she took me to all sorts of uh, exhibitions and things when I was young. And we've kind of grown up with very similar taste now, I think, and get a lot of my taste from her. Um, and I was actually living with my grandparents um, when... I was studying at Ravensbourne on my uh, BA and it was when I was living with them that I really noticed the effect that their clothing actually had on them um, since the, all, all my life. They're very outgoing, very active people. And then their health started to deteriorate quite quickly. Um, and I really noticed the effect their clothing had on their day to day lives. And that's sort of what's sparked my interest in the medical clothing and adaptive wear space. We had we talked earlier about the actual there was a, a an event in the hospital with your grandmother that uh, kind of set, kind of appalled you. So share that with us. I think the listeners would really like to know that story. I found it I, I like I told you earlier, I laughed at it not because it was it was laughable in, in your thoughts and your ideas, but how ridiculous that piece of clothing is anyway and how old how old the, if you want to call it a style or design so share a little bit about that story completely so um my nan and and my granddad but my nan was kind of in and out of hospital for different issues but some to do with her back and at one point um she was given the quote-unquote women's hospital gown which everyone can kind of picture it right so it's a long kind of oversized polyestery strange patterny um like oversized t-shirt dress basically and you, you can completely imagine it it's got ties at the back and it's not fully covered and she was so cold and everyone can kind of relate to this experience no matter your kind of age or ability feeling really um undignified and uncomfortable if, if you're in hospital you're most likely already in a stressful situation and uncomfortable um so she actually had to ask for the quote unquote men's uh, hospital pajamas instead. So she wore the men's trousers, which again these kind of polyestery, scratchy, um, three quarter length, mint, <laughs> straight cut trousers, um, with the pink women's kind of top gown, just to be just to be a little warmer and to be a little um, more covered as well. And that that was a really key moment in the time that we were working together. And I was like, and she, you know, she's very she, like, what? Why do people deserve this? Why aren't there better options for people who are in this sort of situation? And it, it's just not fair. And like you say, it's been such a <laughs> everyone knows about this issue. Why? Why haven't we solved it yet? Why isn't there more attention about this? Well, you're the person to do that. So the world, the world is looking to you right now, Ellen. Um, tell us a little bit about the, um, the, the, some of the processes you go through as a designer with adaptive clothing. And how is that different from the designing you've done that's not adaptive? 
adaptive. You said you'd done some men's and women's designing before. So what makes adaptive designing different from a designer's viewpoint? For sure. So I guess the word the word adaptive is quite difficult, really, because um, that's that's technically what I label myself and how I like to label this sort of design. Um, but lots of people don't actually know what it is. So, yeah, fantastic question. It's I see it really as clothing that has a, um, a healthcare kind of perspective. So when I've looked at it in the past, you kind of have to really focus on um, the context in which people will wear it. So when I was working with my grandmother specifically, it would be um, what she'd wear at home, what she'd wear as a kind of clinical outpatient when she's in and out of hospital, and then what she'd have to wear when she was actually in care in hospital. And how these three contexts can like really change and shift quite quickly for all sorts of people, not just my grandmother. Um, so what clothing is actually appropriate and gives you comfort as well as can we actually help in the healing uh, process and adaptive wear for me really and like we were talking about earlier it comes down back to the word care you know it's showing that you care for people through clothing so they could that can be sort of functional clothing that has um fastenings or something that can it's a little bit easier to use um or it can be to do with the access points in the garments so some, you know, we've all been there with like a really tight pair of skinny jeans or something. We're kind of struggling to pull them up. So thinking about actually how you get in and out of the garments. So whether that's through um, the the kind of center, like a center front zip, something at the, the front of the garment that's getting into, or if it's easier if someone's actually helping you get dressed, whether that's at the back of the garment so they can pull it on. There are all these sort of different ways that you can approach designing clothing that can help and have these sort of note, notes of care throughout. And I think the, fun, the fundamental issue with that is you think about who's designing in the first place and kind of who has access and who you're talking to. And like I've said, so I'm currently non-disabled. That could change at any moment. We're all aging, you know, um, and actually inviting disabled voices into the adaptive design process is something that's like really, really crucial in my practice. So when I was at the RCA, my dissertation was titled, um, who am I to design for you? And the idea is like, actually I'm, I'm non-disabled. What, what skills do I have and what authority do I have to tell um, a, disa- a disabled person how to dress? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know your problems. I don't know what you want, what you need from clothing. So my practice is really about this kind of concept of co-design and collaboration, like we were speaking about, you know, really working with people in design, in the medical field and the people, the end users of the clothing, hopefully to create a product that works for some people. (laughs) And that's a good point you bring up that we it's it's hard for us a lot of times that uh, we're 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 delivering the care ourselves. We we don't understand fully what they're going through, uh, with the difficulties that they're having. We may understand, we may understand their medical processes, the physiological processes, uh, but we really don't know what's going on inside the actual individual. So to, to try to step in on our part is hard because we don't have the, we, we don't have, we can be sympathetic, but where's the empathy because we've not been down that road, so to speak. So 
what were some of the challenges that you faced in reaching out to your grandmother and to some other folks that you know to help get their ideas for clothing, for, for adaptability? Like you talked about, you know, maybe you have a, instead of a snap, you have Velcro, or maybe the zipper goes in the back for a caregiver to, to easily change the individual. So what was, what were some of the challenges that you had facing you with trying to interpret what, or the disabled individuals, did they have trouble getting that across to you? What, what they feel would be helpful? Mm, the, yeah, exactly. The key word is empathy and not sympathy, I think, exactly like you say. Um, so in terms of the challenges, it took it took a long time for me to realise that um, I'm, I'm not solving someone's problem. I don't have the authority or the know-how to do that. I don't, I don't have the right to call it a problem. You know, it's coming down to the individual and their specific needs. So that was one of the challenges I faced, I guess. It was um, trying, coming to the realisation that you call it inclusive design, right? You're like, oh, I'm trying to make a product that works for the largest amount of people. So you think, oh, it's got to have like loads, you know, someone who's had a stroke has to have this and someone who has this has to have this. Trying to mesh all that together. But actually, I found working really closely with an individual or a, a, a set of people that have really similar needs or wants from their clothing, going through that process to find actually like in the individual is the universal, if that makes sense. You work really specifically with someone, find out their wants and needs from the clothing and, and also work with them like from the beginning to the end. You don't want to just make a product and then test it with some people at the end with like a user focus group. You, I found that it really helps to kind of work, get to know people, you know, have have respect for people. Like a lot of the time, you know, clothing is such an intimate object. Don't want to, you don't want to meet someone for the first day that you're going to be working with and then ask them immediately like, oh, how many times a day do you need to go to the bathroom because I need to, you know, work that into the fastenings. You know, you want to establish a respectful relationship with the people that you're working with. Um, and then work, like I say, from just getting to know them through material testing, fabric testing, and then testing the actual final garment. So I'd say those kind of getting to grips with co-design and collaboration was a challenge to really integrate people throughout the design process. And then also coming to the realization that I'm not, I'm not fixing a problem. I'm just offering a different garment. I, I, I want to offer choice through the clothing, if that makes sense. <laughs> it does to me. Um, I can tell you many a time we'll, we'll order a brace for somebody, which is a wearable and you know, it, we don't even think about it anymore, but they're all, most of them are black and they just, they're bulky and they're big. And I know I've mentioned that many times on the podcast, but you know, you, you take it out to the patient and you say, okay, I'm going to fit you with that. And, and the look on their face is like, what's this? <laughs> what are you putting on me? I mean, they know it's a brace, but they look at it and they go, they're probably saying, so this is so hideous. I don't want to look like, like something out of, out of star wars you know that some some alien from i mean and really some of these things do look very horrible and i can understand why patients don't want to wear it um, they'll wear it under their clothes but no i'm not going to wear it to church i'm not going to wear it to go out to the cinema i'm not going to wear it to go out to dinner you know because and yeah it is they're hideous and so i think 
it, it is important that you take a look at how things look as well. And I think this is where the fashion world needs to be more integrated in, in with us in the medical and then those that are in the tech field. And I think uh, designers like yourself, I'm giving a lot of kudos to because it is way overdue. We talked about, about the, the hospital gowns, which are probably 400 year old style, if you can call it style. But I think we need to, to really start to focus and just break down more on individuals uh, and choices. Uh, can braces come in different colors? Can knee sleeves come in different colors? Can back supports come in different colors? Um, it wasn't, if you stop and think about it, it wasn't that long ago that we started having fiberglass casts for fractures. And then they had colored fiberglass. So little girls could run around with pink casts and little boys could run around with blue casts or you could, you could have a neon colored. I mean, I've seen so many different colors in my career, but you know what? It actually... People people don't mind it when there's just simple color. Uh, even the little kids, you know, they'd come in for therapy and, they, you know, the whole side of their cast was signed by everybody in their class because it was a cool color. So they didn't feel so bad having a broken arm. So I think, you know, taking a look from your perspective, it goes a long way. And I wanted to ask you a question, too. We, you talked briefly about fabrics. As a designer... Do, are you able to find people that are in the in the fabric and textile sciences to be able to help you with what's out there fabric wise for what you want to do with a particular garment? Luckily, I am. Yeah, it's taken a it's taken a long time, and as you say, it, we're coming to a real incredible moment in this space where people aren't just take, looking at it from a purely kind of engineering or medical perspective or a purely fashion perspective, like people are talking to each other, which is so crucial, like we've discussed. Um, uh, one fantastic uh, company that I'm working with is called Pyrotex, and they're based in Portugal, and they make the most incredible, beautiful fabrics with a real healthcare focus. So whether that's um, fabrics that are super, super soft and comfortable for the skin, or some that actually have sort of medical properties. So they've been really fantastic to work with. They really share the same vision. Um, because as you say, you know, fabric, fabrics is so key. And it's so fun to, to work with people, people that I haven't worked with before. And I'll just bring a load of fabric samples. And then people get to touch things. And they're really excited. Like it's a very tactile kind of exciting experience. So that makes a massive, massive difference. And just to go back to what you're talking about, colour, I mean, that is exactly it. Colour and aesthetic can have such a massive difference on whether someone actually wants to wear something or not. And that's that's the complete crucial element. I mean, whether you think something's cool has a massive difference. Like I've seen prosthetics that I'm like, oh my God, that's such a beautiful, I would love to wear that as a shoe or something like that. And that makes, and it, once it's desirable, if a product is desirable and it's beautiful, sometimes that can get kind of overlooked as um, uh, something that's not so important. Actually, if you have it on your body day to day and you need to wear it for your health, for your recovery, for whatever, it makes a massive effect on how you actually feel about yourself. And whether, you know, this is a whole other conversation, but um, 
whether you want to show show your medical device or not, whether you want it kind of integrated within your clothing. So you yourself stand out and then the clothing just helps with that or whether your kind of personal identity revolves around your walking stick or revolves around another piece. You know, you want some people want to show it off. So and that's completely fine. So it's like it's about color and it's about choice, having these products available to people so they can make the decision on on how they'd like to dress, which, yeah, com- completely key. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that moving in this direction that the wearables market is going, it's um, for me, it's a very slow process because it's like, why can't it happen tomorrow? Because I, patients don't want to wear this. They don't want to wear that. But I know that this is going to take time. And I think the the integration that you talked about with the, the different disciplines is is key. Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services provides a broad array of design and engineering professionals for your wearable project. We feature the following design specialties. Pattern making, digital textile, athletic wear, sensor, fashion, exoskeleton, robotics, and mechatronics. We also offer beta testing of your wearable in our private clinic. You choose the demographics and sample size, send us the sample, and we take care of the rest. For more information, go to www.spectrumergonomics.com for more information. Hey, if you're a startup wearable company and you'd like to be able to get your information on this podcast, please contact me at my company website, www.spectrumergonomics.com. I'd love to be able to feature a little bit about what you're doing to let the world know about your wearable. Well, thanks for joining me at the intersection of fashion and technology, and may you wear it well.